Am I here when you do that amazing first bit? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in the room when you're saying all that stuff. About them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's God. what all my spiel is. I was like, <laughs> if someone said that nice shit about me and I was there, I'd be like bright red. It's like, love it. Fuck. Hi everyone, my name is Inherit George Carey and you're listening to Daddy Issues, a podcast dedicated to confronting fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want this podcast to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you may possess, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, and so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this topic as one that needs to be recognized, heard, and confronted. In today's episode, I am speaking to Poppy Chancellor. Poppy is a London-based illustrator specialising in paper cutting. After studying illustration at Kingston University, she went to study at Royal Drawing School, where she started making customised paper artworks for friends and family. Creating the coolest personalised art pieces is a practice she has continued to refine with her private and commercial clients over the past seven years. Poppy also specialises in paper cutting workshops and has taught hundreds of people at iconic venues such as the Royal Academy of Art, the V&A Museum and the Southbank Centre, as well as collaborating with clients such as Charlotte Olympia, Oliver Bonus, Vogue, Adidas, Nike and Red Valentino. If you haven't come across Poppy's artwork, I implore you to have a stalk on Instagram at Poppy Papercuts because they are just so cool. Poppy's Papercuts. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> At Poppy's Paper Cuts. There we go. <laughs> Good start We're there. in there. <laughs> I, however, got directed to Poppy through her incredible work with Grief Case, which is a grief-inspired artwork and text Instagram page, as well as a monthly meeting for people who want to talk all things grief. So I'm going to let you, Poppy, explain what Grief Case is and why you started it. But first... Welcome to Daddy Issues, and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> oh, yay. So, let's just first start with what brought us together. So, okay. tell me about Grief Case, which, by the way, is The Grief Case on Instagram. Yes, at The Grief Case. At yeah. The Grief Case. Mm-hmm. What's your involvement in it, and why did you start it? Um, So, I started The Grief Case because I didn't realize that my dad had died (laughs) I know it sounds so insane I basically pretended that my nothing had happened for three years Mm -hmm. after losing my dad and it all kind of hit me at once because I think of a few different things like my work had slightly slowed down so I was having a bit of a quiet January this year um and I think when the kind of panic or the busyness turns off, then all the emotions start to, that, you know, are underneath the surface were just kind of bubbling up. And I started to feel like what I would say is like 
the beginning of depression so like really dark just like crying for no reason um thinking I was rubbish at my work um kind of doubting relationships and things like that Mm -hmm. and I was like babe, your dad did die, so it's probably something to do with that. (laughs) Um, And I just wanted to talk to people about it, and I thought the only way I'm going to get through this is if I put the denial to one side Mm. and speak to people that I trust and that I love and I know that some of my friends have been through this too so um it started in my living room and I invited um oh God, did it? yeah it, it we so like I think so for sounds I know yes yeah, so far sounds um <laughs> so it was literally in my living room I think we did the first three or four in my living room and there was my sister uh, my friend from my studio who I share it with a few other girls that I knew who had lost friends, parents and we basically got together I had like, I lit candles and um, like made loads of food and just made it like really cosy but the mad thing is, is people cried as I opened the door to my flat Wow Because I think I'm on the top floor, you have to like walk up the stairs and I think because people knew what they were coming to talk about, we were all really emotional before even like sitting down and talking about anything. So I could see when people got there, they were like, hi, how are you? Um, (laughs) Like really teary eyed. And then people started inviting friends and... I was like, okay, well, I want this to get bigger and I want, because after we did that first meeting, we were all like, oh my God, I feel exhausted and I feel light. Yes. And it was the first time that that lightness had kind of come into my life for months. So I was like, this is it. This is how I'm going to get better Mm. is by sharing myself, talking about how I feel, but also having that nice creative element to it. So we all were like writing poems, reading them to each other um, or finding bits of text from books or other poems that, you know, just kind of encourage us to do a little bit of homework outside of our meeting. Yeah. So that we actually expressed our feelings around loss in our own time. And then we'd come back and be like, oh, I've written this one. What do you guys think? And it's not um, a creative writing critique or anything like that. It's mm. literally just if you've never spoken about loss before, sometimes writing can be easier. Yeah. And also it leads you into... Um, so I'm I'm reading this because I may have felt like this, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Wow, gosh, that's... So it's like a stepping stone, basically, the kind of writing part of it. Yeah. And those still happen once a month, don't they? Yeah, so yeah. we are now doing it on Brick Lane, um, and there's between kind of 10 and 20 people that come to And each. anyone can come. Anyone can come. So to find it, you go on The Grief Case. Yeah, at The Grief, at case, the grief case on the Instagram, yeah. and we have started doing little Eventbrite pages, so you can either book for that month or the month after that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you can't make that month, yeah. God, that is so... It shows also just like that... I mean, that you've... The way that you said you felt exhausted but so light. Yes, yeah. That's... I mean, it's the same thing as sort of having therapy or just doing something which we just hold so much in. But the the exhaustion is just like a kind of release. Mm. It's like when you've had a good cry and you kind of look amazing afterwards. Your face is all puffy and gorgeous and you're like, wow, I feel amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got what I call a triple threat with your daddy issues. Oh, no. 
I probably I actually, definitely I've do. only coined that since speaking to you on the phone and realising yeah. I get people on yes. who've had one of the things okay. that you've had with your dad. Okay. Take me back. Growing up, where you grew up, uh-huh. just give us some basic facts. Okay. Then... So um, I grew up in London with my mum and my dad. Um, we lived in a basement flat in Shepherd's Bush. Woo! <laughs> Everyone! Woo! And... Um, yeah, I, I've written a few words down yeah. to summarise my childhood because I knew we were maybe going to be talking about this. <laughs> and I'm gonna, just going to read them and then I'll go back in. Okay, so number one is chaos. <laughs> number two is fun. Yeah. Oh, great. That's good. Yeah. Included. Oh, great. Which is nice. Yeah. Adored. Ooh. And then terrified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's a, a mixture. <laughs> yeah. And I think... Um, I think a lot of what I'll speak about today is like that swaying from like amazing mm. and then awful. Right. Um, and then I think as an adult, I've landed in the middle. Yeah. So I'm a very like down the middle, normal seeming person. Yeah. But I think that has come from a kind of waiting of like having been through a lot. Yeah. But then also being very loved at the same time. So mm-hmm. People who meet me just think, oh, you know, very nice, normal girl. Yeah. Probably had a very normal life. But actually, it's the fact that I've I've swayed from two quite extreme places to mm. kind of land at that point. So So what do you what do you mean by those extreme places? Yeah, so probably like as a child, absolutely terrified. Of. I was so naughty. I think terrified I just had no stability. I right. had no rules, yep. no bedtime. Yep. Um, you know, I was either in the pub with my mum and my dad, mm-hmm. or I was in the bookies with my dad, mm-hmm. or I was at a party. Mm-hmm. My mum was like, oh babe, I would just leave you on the bed with the coats. <laughs> you know, and they'd be at this party just like, woo! And she's like, oh you were fine, you're having a great time. You'd be like in one coat, out the sleeve of the other. You know, yeah. that I was just taken everywhere. Like oh, I was wow. not getting in the way of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um like one of those dogs that you see at parties. Yeah, kind of the I dog. was the chihuahua <laughs> at the party. <laughs> but my mum said she used to have this huge sheepskin coat and she would just tuck me in and my little head would just be kind of bobbed out yeah. of the middle but she'd be at a party you know <laughs> getting absolutely hammered yeah. and I'd just be there so I think like as a child you do really crave rules and structure yeah. and I know myself as yeah. an adult yeah. that is something that I've then been like oh my god I love rules yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I all I, I wanted was a bedtime um <laughs> but it's like it's like that hippie life isn't it yeah it's yeah. just like they're playing music really loudly um you could you're welcome to stay up fall asleep on the sofa who cares yeah so it was very much your mum and so because I've obviously yeah. read your dad's obituary which is yes. amazing I mean yeah. like, I literally when legend I, when I read what a legend what a legend <laughs> but also on top of actually I want to get to that yes because but I could see the person that he was. Yeah. I felt like I knew him. No, that's why I wanted to say By the it end to you. of it, yeah. I was like, I know this guy. Yeah. I've, it's almost like I feel like I'd met him before, but I like, know, it was prob- just so. Probably have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but because yeah. in, in, the, in there, one of the things yes. that they say is your dad yeah. was when he first came to London, yeah. which his story before that was insane, but and how he even got there. But yeah. 
he was a true bohemian. And what yeah. you're talking about now reminds me of that yeah. real bohemianness. It's bohemian. But life. it was for your mum and your dad. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, so you they, had that like, whoa. They were together living creative life. So my mum was an actor mm-hmm. and my dad was a poet. So it literally was, they were living and I get that because as a creative myself, you want to be inspired by your life. You yeah. want to yeah. um, you want to have freedom. You want to be self-expressed. You want to do whatever you feel like doing mm-hmm. that feeds that creative energy. So for them, it was partying, drinking, yeah. you know, doing performances. Like uh, my mum started the Portobello Panto. Oh, did she? Yeah. Which, been in that a few times. Yeah, which I'm sure you've been in. <laughs> and, you know, that was... They were they were just expressing themselves all over the place. Yeah, um, which for a child is amazing. Like oh, I was well, on yeah. the stage, you know, singing, dancing. Ev- anything went. Like yeah. if my mom was playing music at home, she'd be like, "Babe, get on the table, do a dance routine." You know that <laughs> that was normal. But when I had friends round, they were like, "Why are you?" like standing on your kitchen tables really unhygienic like so it was very like oh okay oh mum that's gross um yeah so when other people saw our lives they were quite shocked because I think other people had very normal (laughs) lives you know and what did that make you feel when when people would say that would you then kind of other your parents would you sort of feel like I want to be I don't want to be associated with you anymore I want to do this normal stuff that everyone else is doing I think I got that secondary school because everyone at my primary school was also nuts right because it was just local primary school everyone insane (laughs) and then secondary school was everyone was very wealthy and had their shit together Mm -hmm. so that's suddenly where I felt very out of place right um because everyone just seemed very organized and that that's when I got quite embarrassed and yeah oh I don't know who that is I remember saying at a party once I mean this was maybe when I was younger but my dad was pissed and he was um had um what do you call those things that are like uh, it's a burning oil light that kind of lights up a garden oh. or something oh yeah like a like, like a, a lan- furnace, yeah, like a la- a burning kind of lantern <laughs> thing that you stick in the ground, right? And it was me and loads of other kids on the trampoline. My dad was really drunk, and he was running around the trampoline <laughs> with this burning flame, yeah. and everyone was like, "Uh, who's that?" And I went, "I don't know," uh, yeah. you know, mm. because. I thought, oh my God, he's insane. I'm embarrassed. I'm trying to fit in with these kids that I don't really know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Would they be like, who's that? Yeah. Yeah. They okay. were 100%, that guy's really drunk. That's really embarrassing. And I right, think I was right, like, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, you just feel so unloyal. And you're like, daddy, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. But yeah, that must have been a real minefield. Yeah, total minefield. Because... And especially at that time when, like, you know, you're just at that very beginning stage of starting to understand yourself yeah. in the smallest way. Yeah. With like hormones and you're permanently running around. mortified as a teenager yeah, anyway. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it was just adding to like stuff that I was just like, oh my God, I've got my period mortified. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God, I've growing breasts, help me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just adding to all that very sensitive part stuff. of growing up. Yeah. yeah. But by then your parents were divorced because they So they broke up when I was four. four so yes. I actually own I don't have many memories. Like when people ask me, I say I I never lived with my dad mm-hmm. because I don't really have that many memories of 
kind of living with him but then if I think back to like really really young I'm like oh yeah of course I remember him putting me in the sink and bathing me in the sink like Mm -hmm. with all the washing up he'd be like come on let's get you sudded up and I'd be like I remember as a kid thinking I fit perfectly in this little thing but I was maybe like three or four (laughs) I love the fact that you remember I remember being like this is my bath the little kind of like ceramic sink just plop me in there I remember that being really fun (laughs) but then again to another family they'd be like you can't wash your kid in the sink but I don't know no I don't know what's normal anymore. (laughs) But so when your dad left when you were four, did things get a bit more um, sort of structured at home because it was your mum and you? Or was she still still as kind of bohemian as she'd always been? Yeah, still insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so everything stayed normal to you. (laughs) Everything stayed normal. Dad actually came round loads. So I think he was very present. He was still really there and they stayed really good friends. I think it was just like, I can't be around this drinking really because otherwise I'm going to go over the edge. So I think that's kind of where the separation came from. It wasn't, she was always like, I loved him so much, but I couldn't, I just knew I didn't have the skills to save this person. And also I needed to focus on my own addiction. And, you know, so I think, from what I've heard and from their relationship, they were always really, really close. Yeah. And I always loved that because I knew people whose friends were married and yeah. their parents were not close. So yeah, yeah. I always felt really, really lucky for their connection. Always felt very loving and kind. And I think that's had a huge impact on me because seeing your parents being really friendly and actually never speaking really mm. a bad word about each other. Yeah. Um, for me, I was always like, oh, I was really born from something that meant something to those two people. So I always felt very lucky to have that. Mm, that's such a nice way to think, as in that meant something rather than yeah. feeling like, why am I here? Well, when... I've just seen so many yeah. kind of toxic parental relationships yeah, just everywhere. Yeah, you were still there together. Yeah. And you were like, what is, yeah, why and are you just doing think, that? Oh yeah. my God, that must be really painful to be like, my parents hate each other. So going back to the addiction mm. and... Because your dad was an alcoholic, am I correct? I I would class him as that, yeah. Yeah. I would, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely got better yeah. through his life. He, But I think this was maybe to do with um, he had another child and mm-hmm. he also got ill. So his kind of party days definitely, I feel like he retired from that. And also I didn't live with him in that later stage. So I don't quite know what the drinking was like, but... From my memory, it was like when I was maybe like 10, 11, I really remember it being bad. Mm-hmm. And then it definitely got better as I got older. And I think his kind of performing days and his kind of glory days, as it were, as a performer, chilled down a bit. So he wasn't going on tour with bands. He wasn't mm, he was doing trying, gigs every night. He was you know? literally friends with like, I mean, punk rock royalty. He was he was sort a of punk poet he, i mean how yeah. cool is that he did he i think in the obituary i read yeah. he would go on before the clash yes and do their pre-warm-up but with his poems yes so that's what that's what he did he did that with the libertines yeah um this is later so he would do british sea power he'd go on and read poetry same with the libertines which yeah. is in my it was kind of like memory. a sort of he was like the top of the roadies yes <laughs> like he was king. like 
Because he was Don't like, worry, he was like their best have, mate as well. We're gonna have enough booze in that room to like really keep us going. <laughs> I read that he'd that he'd um, drink all of their what's oh, it yeah. called Before, the rider. The rider. It's all gone. Whilst they were like on stage. Yeah, they'd be doing sound check and then it's all gone. <laughs> yeah. You know. But what was it like for you having that? Because obviously your dad, he was such a big character. Yeah. As I was saying from his obituary, mm. if anyone hasn't read it, find it. It's Jock Scott yes. obituary on the Telegraph. This amazing man that everyone says, what a legend, what a cool dude who's got frick loads of charm, wit, yes. charisma, yeah. can win anyone over. Mm-hmm. That's all great. Yes. What's the reality? What's, the, what's it like <laughs> to be for, for that legend to be your dad? Yeah, I think um, I feel like my relationship with him was more fatherly when I was younger. So he definitely like changed my nappies, took me to school, like did all of that stuff when I was younger. And I didn't really know, I guess none of that other stuff really phased me because I didn't know about it. And then as I became a teenager and he would take me to gigs and stuff and be like, you've got to find out about this band. I'll mm. get you guest list, right? I'd be like, oh, cool. Thanks, dad. But then, you know, me, I remember me and my sister went to a Libertines gig at the Scala. He'd got us guest list and we were like, yes, this is our dream. Like we were on the side of the stage. Oh, my God, this is so cool. And then when we went to go and find dad backstage after, we were like, hey, where's Jock gone? And they were like, oh, the ambulance had to come and take him. And we'd be like, what? Yeah. And he would have got so drunk that he would have just passed out and St. John's ambulance had to come and take him away so that was Mm. like things that I remember where I was like a scared for his safety is he okay b he doesn't he's never had a mobile phone in his life so there's no that part of like rock star life you couldn't get hold of him unless he called you from the house phone or you called the house phone so there was a lot of I just didn't know I felt so uncertain a in his health Mm. b where he was and see, like, I'm embarrassed. I feel like there were people here that I was getting to know, and now they're like, oh, your dad's been taken away in an ambulance. Apparently that happens to him all the time, or whatever, you know, say something snarky like that, and you'd be like, I feel stressed and anxious (laughs) and embarrassed and hurt, and I hope he's okay. You know, so then... So I think part of how that has affected me is um, I'm a real, like, self-preservationist. So mm. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs. Um, so you've gone the complete... I have that's just me- taken the other route. Yeah. Um, because I've just seen firsthand, like, how, um, you know, nerve-wracking and painful that can be. And I just... I think I had that from a kid as well. Like, I remember if I ever found my dad's cigarettes, I would snap them in half and hide them in a sand pit and be like, Dad, it says smoking kills on the front of the thing, so I'm going to hide these from you. So Mm. um, I think there was always, like, an awareness that they're maybe doing something that is not good for them. Mm -hmm. And if I can, if I know that from a young age, then I'm going to try and do that as well for me so yeah that's the effect is like anxiety wanting to save people and then also like not having that lifestyle for yourself as well 
But that's incredible. You've summed that up so well. That strength of character, as Julia Samuel once called it, category eight. It sounds so awful and elitist, but <laughs> people who will be like, you know, whatever's happened to them, whatever that is, yeah. you know, I'm going to show you different. Whoever that yes. you is, yeah. if that use you, you yeah. or if that use someone else. Have you ever connected your, mm. you know, great success as an artist mm. and the drive that you had to sort of succeed, you know, dictate your own path? Mm. Do you Have you ever sort of connected that with that relationship with your dad you know what I haven't because I've never felt the feeling of I want to show you mm. I don't feel like I'm going to prove everyone wrong I, d I don't have that feeling but I know that being brought up by people that are like express yourself it is the most important part of you know, being heard, having your voice. And the way that I saw them express themselves was, you know, my dad through writing and my mum through her acting. Mm. So I think I just always thought, ah, oh, creativity is a way that you can work and have a life. And um, I kind of wasn't that good at anything else. And, and <laughs> no disrespect to my parents, but that's what they were good at as well. Like we yeah. weren't good at maths or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't very, um, that's just the only way that our minds worked was mm. like creativity, self-expression, um, you know, which is actually amazing for loads of different things. You can put it in lots of different genres, but um I, I know if I didn't have them, I wouldn't be an artist. I yeah. would I would do something much more, you know, I'd be in an office and I'd yeah. be much more kind of regulated. Because you do like structure and yeah, yeah, routine. I do love structure yeah. and routine, but I guess I've put that into my own work. So I will have a to-do list in the morning. Yeah. I will really structure my days. I will make sure that I'm working from this hour to this hour, which yeah. actually for an artist is quite strange. Yes. And this is actually yeah. so interesting because it is it it does show that this this chaos this yes. this happy fun yeah. terrifying yeah. chaos that you grew up with <laughs> that actually has affected you hugely because yeah. Yeah. of this reaction that you've had yes which is you know sobriety yes. on top of routine yeah on top of you know having to have even though as you say an expressive career yeah because that's kind of you as well as 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 well as your environment and what you've grown yes. up with yeah it has had a huge effect on yeah. that way of life that yeah. you've gone down. And I think also just like seeing things like people never being on time or I knew that I wanted structure in my life because that was something that I I had never had. And combining that with their kind of lightning creativity mm. I think is a really because they didn't have that so I've added in you know structure being on time mm. um you know being quite business minded as well you know like um I represent myself um I do all my payments and all these kind of things and yeah um incredibly independent yeah rely so, on yourself and no one else yeah, yeah yeah so I guess there is that that kind of my mum always called it hybrid vigor which is two different things coming together so my mum was from a very like aristocratic family and my dad was from a very um, impoverished family in Scotland mm -hmm. and she was like darling you're this wonderful mixture you've got this and that and together you've made something you know t from totally two worlds mm -hmm. coming together which she would always say is like an amazing strong mix mm. um which i always thought was quite a nice thing but i think i'm also a, a total mix of of them as well yeah so. they always say you're a map of your parents yeah so two more questions firstly 
I want to ask about, so your dad was diagnosed in 2014 with cancer. Yes. Yeah. So Correct. what, in a summary, which is yeah. so, you can't really summarize something as yes. traumatic as that. Yes. We know that you then went on into a grief case, mm-hmm. but tell me in terms of before then, what was that suddenly like knowing that you were going to lose your dad? Yeah, that was horrendous. Like I remember getting the phone call. I knew he was in hospital, kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then he called me. Um, I was in my studio and he was like, I've got three months. <laughs> wow. And I remember being like, okay, again, you know, the reserved person that manages everything. Duh. Um, I was like, okay, dad, what do you need? Like, okay. Um, and what what's your treatment going to be? He's like, I'm not going to do treatment. And I was like, okay, so you're not doing chemotherapy or anything? And he was like, no, I'm not dying like that. And I said, okay. Um, and he's like, but I'll call you tomorrow. You know, we can talk about everything but you know I just wanted to let you know it's not good news and I was like okay all right I'll speak to you then and then as I put the phone down I literally exploded like I was lying on the floor of my studio I think I was walking up and down the hallway just crying and like screaming and crying Mm. and I think there was always part of me that never let me show my dad that side because I always felt that I had to be the um the manageable person you know the person who's got everything done you're all allowed to be a mess but I'm gonna be controlled Mm -hmm. and I do really regret that I never kind of just broke down in front of my dad and was like dad I'm a soft you know emotional person as well because I it's being so strong Mm -hmm. which I think is where the denial as well afterwards came in was just like strength 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 and actually you know you've got to be soft and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be realistic as well about what you're actually dealing with um so yeah then from then he was like I don't think chemotherapy is going to help me I know that I'm terminal I just want painkillers and I just want to die naturally Mm -hmm. because I think he had had um some advice from his friend Wilco Johnson who's a singer um whose wife had passed away he actually also got cancer really badly and he was just like I didn't recognize my wife I watched her go through chemo and she just turned into someone else and my dad was just like I just want to be me and then I want to die mm. he was such a free spirit yeah he, he was he he's just a someone... rebel he doesn't yeah like the doctor was like we will start you on your chemo next week or whatever and he was like excuse me no <laughs> Like he, if you told him to do something, it would make him not want to do it. Yeah, so yeah. he's kind of like, he was also just like a rebel till the end. Yeah. But he lived for two years. So wow. they gave him three months initially and he lived for two years after that. Against all um, Which was kind of amazing because we were like, dad, it's your birthday. Let's have a party. Or like, dad, it's Christmas. Let's all. So we were just doing loads of like special fun stuff, like parties at his house. You know, all his family would come down from Scotland and, um, you know, he really just partied his way out yeah. as well. Brilliant. You know, classic. <laughs> of course he did. And my mum was like, maybe he's just dying from lack of attention um, because all the parties, he just kept going. Like, we were like, he's definitely past the three-month stage and then it yeah, was yeah. like a year and then it was two years. And God, that's amazing. So, yeah, he kind of um, died definitely with dignity. He died on his own terms. Yeah, on his own terms. And still, his brain was very intact. So on the last night that I spent with him, he, um, you know, we were playing him his favourite songs and he was like, come on. On, I'm ready and we'd be like what you know he was like I'm bored of this now come on let's go and we were chatting yeah. and he was very much 
himself and I actually really thank him for making that choice because mm. I never felt like he went anywhere or mm. that I couldn't connect with him he was still looking at us going oh you're still here then you know and we'd be <laughs> like yeah dad um and we left the hospital that night I think at midnight and he died at 3 a.m so um he yeah. died on his own in the hospital and I knew I said to my sister I'm like he's waiting for us to go yeah he wanted a private moment. He was such a performer. Mm. So whenever we were there, he would try and be awake and be talking and all that kind of thing. And I thought, actually, no, he needs that moment mm. to just go. And how amazing that we got to be there and, um, you know, have that, that last conversation mm. and playing all those songs and God, yeah. him singing along to like his favorite songs. It was just amazing. Aww. Yeah. Just be peaceful. Yeah. So we've got one more question. Yeah. And that is, if your dad was listening to this episode yeah. right now, what would you want to say to him? Hi, dad. Miss you. Where are you? <laughs> Where have you gone? Um, <laughs> I think I'd just say, like, I love you so much. And what an incredible person you were. So brave. Um, and you've got three amazing daughters. So you've left a legacy. And... Um, your nickname, The Living Legend, doesn't really, like, work now, but uh, um, <laughs> I just miss you very much and um, you're always with me every day. Thank you so much, Poppy Chancellor. Oh, you were pleasure. just incredible. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with the incredible Poppy Chancellor. We're actually going to do some more recording, so watch this space because we have so much more to talk about and she's got so much more of a story to share. But in the meantime, just what an incredible woman and so inspirational. And really, really do check out, it's at the grief case, but called grief case whereby if you have any sort of experience of grief or want to open up and talk or share and write then um that's an amazing space to be able to do it and poppy of course runs that yeah i hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as i did she is just so great if you like daddy issues podcast i would be so grateful if you could rate review and subscribe to us on itunes or spotify as it helps other people find us and get daddy issues to as many eyes and ears as possible you can find the links to these on www.thedaddyissuespodcast.com a special thanks goes out to warren at Wolby productions who is the master of both sound and music Ben and Aaron at Interface, who have made my website and do all the graphic design. And thank you guys for listening. I love hearing your thoughts, so don't hesitate to get in touch. If there's anything at all that's affected or resonated with you and you'd like to get some support or follow up on anything that's been said, previous guest and psychotherapist Julia Samuel has an incredible website, www.griefworks.co.uk. Once again, thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed the episode.